Live from ClickOrlando.com, this is News 6. This is a News 6 Plus takeover. Here now is Matt Austin and Ginger Gadston with Florida's Fourth Estate. Many Floridians have no idea as they're walking across this very flat peninsula of a state what is under their feet. So many cool animals used to reside in the state of Florida. I'm talking rhinos, crazy four-tusked elephants, saber-toothed cats, all sorts of a sloth the size of a bear. I mean, things only you can think of in your imagination. And we're going to talk about a site that is unearthing many of those different creatures. Glad you're with us. I'm Matt Austin. And I'm Ginger Gadsden. I tell you, for this edition of Florida's Fourth Estate, we're going to time travel just a bit, but we don't even have to mess with the space-time continuum to do that. We're going back like about five and a half million years. And, you know, we won't be your official tour guides for that uh, trip. So we found the perfect person to guide us through all those things you just talked about, Matt, because I'm fascinated that Florida was once home to all of these ginormous, and that is an official term, ginormous creatures. It's very We're scientific. Dr. Jonathan Block, he's a paleontologist, but we like to call him a fossil expert because he knows so much about the site that we're talking about today and all those animals that uh, are being found in the state of Florida. Dr. Block, thank you so much for joining us on Florida's Fourth Estate. So glad you're with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. So glad to be here. I can't wait to talk about all the fossils we've been finding. I know, I know. So talk, you know, okay, so tell us how this site, Matt talked about these animals that we're finding now, these fossils that we're finding now. The one that I am most fascinated by is an elephant. Uh, it's the uh, relative of the elephant that had four tusks, right? Yeah. That thing is called a gomphothere or something like that. Tell us a little bit right. about that. Well, it's an incredible th thing to think about. Um, so today there are not that many species of elephants on the planet. You've got to go to Africa or India and you can see a couple of examples of what elephants look like. Um, but in the past, even going back just a few million years, in this case, five to six million years, there were many more species of elephant-like animals walking around on the planet, even right here in Florida. And Levy County is one of the great places in the world to come look at fossils uh, of elephants um, you know, for a lot of their history uh, in North America. So you wouldn't know that. Many people who I've talked to who live in Levy County don't, don't know that, but it's true. Some of the best collections of fossil elephants um, from this interval of time, uh, you know, spanning the last, say, 15 or 20 million years, uh, uh, some of the best ones that we have are from Levy County. So uh, this animal that we've been uncovering there, uh, which is a gomphothere, is not like modern elephants um, in the sense that uh, it, they have four prominent tusks rather than just two prominent upper tusks. There are four of them. Um, and also, and so if you were watching these things walk, walk across the landscape around Levy County five to six million years ago, you would quickly recognize that it was an elephant, but then you might get interested in them because you'd realize they have too many tusks. And then if you took a closer look at it, you'd realize that the tusks are kind of beautiful. They, they actually have a strip of what we call enamel running down the side of the tusk, which is quite different from modern elephants today, which just have um, dentine, which is the softer material underneath the enamel. But these animals had enamel like we have our own teeth. And it actually creates a strip of enamel that runs down the length of the tusk and actually spirals in this animal down that whole length of the tusk. And this animal is called rhinchotherium. 
Um, so anyway, it's a, it's a very exciting and interesting animal. What's extraordinary about Montbrook also is that um, we have uh, a lot of very small uh, ones of these gompetheres, so little babies, all the way up to, say, teenagers. That's sort of the largest sample of them. Uh, what's been really exciting is it's much rarer to find adults. And over the last year, we've uncovered an articulated skeleton of a bull, uh, of a bull uh, gompetheer. It was an adult, um, and it's the first of its kind. It's really a once-in-a-lifetime discovery for us. Um, so this has been an incredible opportunity to look at what they look like as adults. And these are sort of iconic animals for this time period, five to six million years ago. Okay. Before we dig in, because you're talking a lot about the gompetheer, and I could talk to you for an hour just about that thing, because yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how four tusks fit in one mouth. Uh, we'll get back to that, because I want to talk about the area you're in. You, you said it's kind of in the area of Williston. We're not going to give any exact locations because, you know, people are weird out there and might try to do something. So it's kind of north central Florida, we'll say. And why were all of these creatures? Because you found this amazing discovery, the gomphotheer. You've also found yeah. saber-toothed cats in this area, rhinos, which before this I never knew existed in Florida. Why was everything in this particular location? Yeah, and you could just go on. It's not just, you know, there are rhinos, there are llamas, there are... Um, these strange extinct dog-like animals that behave kind of like Ooh. hyenas, bone-crushing animals. What's really interesting about it is that, w so when it was first found, when the site was first found, it was actually found by a five-year-old girl. Um, and she was uh, walking on this property um, up around Williston. And uh, she was there with her, with, her, uh, with her family and they were looking for arrowheads, taking a walk. And this five-year-old found a handful of bones in the site, and that's how it was discovered. Um, and that's when they contacted us, us about seven years ago. Um, and we very quickly, uh, once we, out, uh, we went out there and started digging, we started finding fossils and started looking at the geology of the site and realized that this was an ancient river. So it's a, it's a river that would have run through this area, oh. a pretty large river that would, would have run through this area five to six million years ago. It's not there anymore, but it's a river that would have been full of turtles and alligators all kinds of fishes, including things like tarpon, um, snook, drum, uh, as well as a lot of freshwater fishes. So all of that kind of stuff you would see in a river. Um, but what happens with rivers is this is also a place where you do get a lot of things living and dying next mm -hmm. to rivers. And as they do that, there are lots of opportunities for their bones to be buried in dirt. Um, and part of that is, is bones sometimes will accumulate on the banks of rivers and then the banks will collapse into the channel and then the channel will sweep them down and deposit them in a giant pile of mud and sand. And then that, uh, that buries them and then they can become fossils. Yeah, and it's interesting, all of the animals that you are finding, but the one animal you will not find, and I think people are surprised because they automatically assume when you talk about prehistoric animals that you would find dinosaur bones there as well, but you're not finding that there and you're probably not going to. Explain why. Well, at, by this time, dinosaurs had been extinct for about 60 million years, so that's part of it, is that it's just too young. In terms of the dinosaurs that we traditionally think of, they went extinct, um, you know, 60, 60 million years before this. But in fact, if you're looking for dinosaurs in the state of Florida, you're not going to be very successful anyway, no matter how hard you look. And the reason for that is because uh, during that time, Florida was covered by an ocean. So uh, during the time when dinosaurs were walking around on land a little bit further north, um, they would have had to swim out above Florida. <laughs> have their bones deposited. So you're telling me a T-Rex would not have been a strong swimmer? 
Yeah, I small arms. Yeah, T-Rex. Maybe if it died on the shore and floated out into the ocean. And- <laughs> I don't like our odds on that one, Ginger. I don't think that's going to happen. We may not find a T-Rex in Florida, but we are figuring out a lot more about these ancient bones. And what happens if you find something like this? That is a rhinoceros jaw. On your property. Stay with us as we take a walk back in time. Welcome back to Florida's Fourth Estate. We are sitting down with a local expert behind a once-in-a-lifetime find. We're talking about a gold mine of fossils right here in Florida. That is a rhinoceros jaw. And it was all found by a five-year-old little girl. How does that work? Does the landowner have much say? Or once that there's some amazing find where we're finding five-million-year-old things, how do you work with the landowner because I would imagine there's a big crew out there. There's machinery. Take us through that. Yeah. So when uh, when someone finds fossil on their land um, and it's established, it's not an archaeology site. Of course, this isn't. Um, once you find fossils on your land um, here in the state of Florida, those are your fossils. It's your land. So the only way that we uh, can study these things and, and document them for science and things is through cooperation with people um, around the state. And, and for the most part, uh, people are very cooperative when it comes to this. They, you find uh, big, incredible fossils, and people just want to know more about them. And so that's when we get called in. Uh, but it does require a lot of cooperation. So in this case, uh, the landowners have been incredibly generous, and they've invited us out there to dig for the last seven years and have um, very much supported our bringing hundreds of volunteers out there, um, as well as teachers from uh, from school, uh, from classrooms all around the state of Florida who take that information and bring it back to their classrooms and teach people about the process of science and the and um, geologic time, for example. Um, but so the landowners have been incredibly cooperative and it's exactly that kind of cooperation uh, that allows us to do this kind of work here in the state of Florida because let's face it, most of the great fossils that we find here in the state are in people's backyards. Yeah. And I know you say it takes great cooperation from the landowners, but once you were down there digging, it also takes great patience. I don't know if it was you who said if you are interested in mowing your lawn with like a pair of scissors, then this is the kind of work. <laughs> fingernail you. clippers, I think. <laughs> yeah, fingernail clippers. That was, that Explain was definitely how not me tedious. who said it. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, it, that certainly resonates with me. So that was one of our uh, one of our volunteers, uh, Ken Marks, who who coined that term. But it's but it's exactly right. It's the kind of patience. In fact, he's right here in the lab um, <laughs> uh, with me right now. So he's laughing and raising his hand. Uh, <laughs> so that, but I but it definitely resonates with me. It's the kind of thing you have to have incredible patience for. And that process, you know, when we get the when we get the fossil, um, we find the fossil. We then stabilize the fossil and then get it so we can take it out of the field and bring it back to the museum. That's a very lengthy, extensive process, but that's really only step one. Step two is once we have it back in the museum, which we're just starting to do for this really, for the big gomp up there, um, then there is a many months, if not sometimes multiple year process of cleaning those bones up. Um, And that means stabilizing them and removing them from the dirt because we collect them still entombed in the dirt in a plastic jacket. Um, And so that process is very meticulous. And in some cases, uh, the way it's approached is just taking a small tooth, uh, taking a small paintbrush, 
dipping it water and very slowly just moving the dirt off the bones and then gluing it and moving the dirt. And so it's extremely time consuming process that some people love. They find it very, um, you know, almost like a meditation. <laughs> uh, I, for me, I'm a little bit more impatient when it comes to that kind of thing. So I'm happy that we have a lot of volunteers who are willing to help with that. That sounds like hell on earth for me. Uh, I do not have the kind of patience. Yeah. yeah. Patience is a virtue that I was not blessed with, but I am thankful. I'm surrounded in this room by people who are doing all of that. So they're laughing a lot right now. I would yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. so. We, we want to see the people yes. and the things that you're surrounded yeah. with in your lab right now, because that yeah, is also yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Well, there's uh, so Ken, do you want to raise your, there's the, the I can. of clipping. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's, and let's just go see what Ken's uh, preparing right now. <laughs> like the so humor. This, this may this may look like a turkey leg bone. Oh, uh, hold on. Yeah, move around here. That may look like a turkey leg bone that I'm holding right here, but that's actually the leg bone from a very tiny three-toed horse. From a what? tiny three-toed horse? Are you messing with us right now? Uh, no, I am. I, I'll mess with you later. No, this is a three-toed horse. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh my gosh! That's amazing. <laughs> Came in a uh, very, very small plaster jacket that Jonathan made out of the site. Uh, this was then, the, re the remaining sand was removed from that. It was glued up because it, that, you probably can't see close enough, but this bone is just fractured into hundreds and hundreds of little pieces. Wow. How tall was this horse when it was around? Uh, dog size. It was uh, a hobbit horse. It was yeah, very much, yeah, not a hobby <laughs> horse, but a hobbit horse. <laughs> So are you very patient? Is that you're one of these you like to do like sort of very detailed tasks over and over again? Uh, yeah, I, I always tell people you don't have to be OCD, but it does help. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it does. Working with tiny little, tiny little uh, uh, paintbrushes, uh, working with dental picks. It's, it's really fun. I spent about two months cleaning the teeth of a five million year old rhinoceros with dental Ooh, tool. The plaque. Oh yes. my goodness. <laughs> retired dentist working here, so he's got advanced knowledge of dental tools. Oh, I bet he's in heaven. What's your favorite find that you've gotten to work on so far? Uh, actually, one of my favorite finds is just in the back of my shoulder over here. It's in a five and a half million year old rhinoceros jaw. Can you, wow. can you bring that I can bring right? that out here, yeah. A little bit easier to see than the turkey leg bone. <laughs> I feel like we're at Disney World right now. Oh, this is a. Wow. That, that, that is a rhinoceros jaw. Can I just up. say to you, if I were walking and I tripped on that, I'm just thinking I tripped I would think on it was a log. Uh, yes. Look not, at that. Not, not with teeth like that. With teeth oh, like yeah, that. yeah. That's true. That's true. But that still, is incredible. Covered, oh, my gosh. That's amazing. And that was found at that same site. That as was. The... And, and as a retired computer programmer with no paleontological experience other than what I've gained here, it's great that they actually allow us to work on really cool fossils. That is. So you're a volunteer. You volunteer for this? My, my wife and I actually moved up from Boca Raton uh, to Gainesville about three years ago uh, with the express reason so that we can actually volunteer more with the museum. Wow. That is How so cool. How are we? Yeah. Oh, man. Awesome. Thank you so awesome. much for doing that. Thank you for showing us yeah. your work. We appreciate it. Uh, John, see. what else you got going on in this well, place? Well, let me see if I could... Um, we have actually a skull of a gompathier over here. It's a, this is a younger one than the one that we're excavating out. It's probably about maybe one third of the size of the one we just took out. Um, if I move that, mm -hmm. you can probably see it all right. Okay. We, we appreciate you doing camera work and the interview. Yeah. Today. You're <laughs> so there's you're a skull. excellent. It's, on, it's, ups, it's upside down and on its side. Um, you can see a tusk coming going out. Um, let's see. Can you point to the tusk? 
there's the test coming out right there. Oh, my goodness. My computer is there we go. Oh, okay. I see it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And you point to the molars. The molars are kind of sticking up there. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Very right. cool. So it's an upside down gomp at their skull. And if we keep walking this way. So when you say there are four tusks, are there two on top and two on the bottom or four coming from the top? Yeah. The issue is that they have, they have tusks on their lower jaws as well as the upper jaws. Gotcha. Oh. Two on the bottom and two on the top. These are some of my favorite things um, from Montbrook. And mainly because just look how cool it looks. But let me see if we can get Oh, my right. gosh. That's amazing. So there's an articulated skeleton of an alligator that would have mm -hmm. lived in an ancient river deposit. It's a new species of alligator. Um, and you can see it's, it's, it's beautifully preserved. It it's is. It's very rare mm -hmm. to get them to this where you can see the vertebral column goes all the way down mm -hmm. there. Um, and these, uh, these are really interesting alligators because it's an entirely new species. So it's a new species, one that we have never seen before in the fossil record. Um, and the best part about it is we get to describe it, give it a new name. Um, but it's also uh, based on lots and lots of really incredible specimens. So many times when we name new species, it's based on pretty fragmentary stuff. So to have things that are all together like that with all the bones is pretty rare. This has been so cool. What what got you into this? Like, what was it? What was the moment? Were you a kid? Were you becoming an adult? What got you into this? Because I can feel your passion about it. Cause it's right. spreading to me. I'm like ready to go in my backyard and dig for stuff right now. I think it was, I mean, it's hard to put, put exactly a time on it. I think I've always been interested in history and old stuff and natural history specifically. Um, but I think what did it for me was when I was uh, just finishing high school, I volunteered at the La Brea Tar Pits, which at that time was oh, my wow. backyard in Los Angeles. Um, and when I was there, I, I was able to work in the preparation lab there, helping to glue together specimens that come out of the tar, um, and including a saber-toothed cat. Um, and when I was done with that, I realized that I might actually be really interested in this stuff. Um, so that ultimately led me to pursue that when I got to college and then into graduate school, for example. Wow, we're so glad that you did. Now, as far as the site we're talking about now, you guys are kind of closing up shop because we're getting into spring and the rainy season, but then you'll pick it back up again when? Yeah, so um, here in Florida, it's a fabulous place to collect fossils in part just because the climate is so, you know, we can collect fossils here in the winter when, other, when there's snow on the ground, mm -hmm. most other places. Um, so that's great. We collect pretty extensively in the fall and the spring. But by the time summer rolls around, you know, we're going to get a rainstorm every, every, every afternoon. Um, the water table starts coming up. It's hot and wet. And so we close the site down during the summer. Once things cool down and the water levels drop, uh, we'll start again in the fall, probably in September or October and then keep digging through the year as long as we can. Wow, and people can come and volunteer, just like the volunteers that you, is it, is it a hard process to become a volunteer? Do you have to know anything? Nope. How does that work? No, nope. wow. no, most, pretty much everybody, uh, with some exceptions, a lot of the people that come out to, to dig with us have never dug before. Um, so they come out, we show them how to dig, and then they dig with us. But a remarkable number of people that come out um, end up digging tens if not hundreds of hours with us. Um, you know, and they just keep coming back because they love it so much. It's just a matter of becoming a volunteer for the Florida Museum of Natural History, which is filling out a piece of paper and away you go.
Wow, we could love it so much we could even move closer to the site. Like, yeah, (laughs) from Boca, I'm gonna leave nice Boca and head up to Gainesville so I can dig. That is an amazing story. That's love, Dr. Jonathan Block, UF paleontology professor. He's out in it, making discoveries, naming alligators. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here on Florida's Fourth Estate. You are a fascinating dude. We can dig it. Oh, we can't end the show like that. Ginger, way to ruin it. All right. Thanks, Doc. We appreciate you. Right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And thank you for watching Florida's Fourth Estate. You can download it from wherever you listen to podcasts or watch anytime on News 6 Plus.